What up? This is Coach Liebs. Uh, I just wanted to introduce you guys to a special episode. This was our Bean Talk conversation from Tuesday, September 24th. A really emotional, really uh, deep conversation about motivation, about what it takes to be great, uh, eliminating excuses from your life. It, it was one that when we had it, everyone who was watching was begging me to put it on YouTube and put it in podcast form so you could listen to it over and over. So here it is. I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope it continues to make an impact for you guys. And I think it's words that you guys need to hear. So. Just remember, when it comes down to it, you just gotta shut up and work. From the sidelines, we gotta hustle, cause we gotta eat. All right, so M. Hughes, who was the first guy in the chat, has always been known to ask a lot of good questions on this show. He said, if you have two kids fighting for a wide receiver spot, what would be the deciding factor or factors? I think this is a great question. Um, I think that the number one thing is like, how well do you do your job, right? Like, I don't like, I don't play guys based on speed and athletic ability and potential. Like, potential is the worst word in the world. Potential just means that you're not like that good yet or you haven't fulfilled your potential. You're not living, rising up to expectations, but you know, maybe one day you will. But like nobody wants to be the kid with potential. You want to be the kid that produces. And the way you produce at, at, on a football team, especially offensive football, right? In offensive football, the only way you have success is if all 11 guys do their job. If one left tackle misses the block, the play's over. If one receiver runs the wrong route, the play's over. If one quarterback makes the wrong read, the play's over, right? So everyone's got to do their job at the same time, all the time. So, so what I'm going to decide is who does their job better, who has less mental errors, who has a better understanding of the scheme, who plays with more effort, and who just does what I want more. Like, like that is the secret. That is the secret to the Patriots' success, right? The Patriots cut guys with great talent and great potential all the time, but they have these guys that do. The Patriots want to say that we are the best coaches who ever lived. Me, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, all these guys, we're the best coaches. So we want to put the game in our hands. And, by, and to put the game in our hands, we have to have players that are going to do exactly what we tell them to do. Not do their own thing. Not not you know no not guys who run four fours or guys who can jump through the roof. We want guys who are going to do what I tell them to do and do it right every time and are going to play tough and play for each other. Period. So that's what I would look for. If there were two if there were two receivers fighting for a spot, who's playing harder on a daily basis? Uh, who's who's playing harder on a daily basis? Who is do, do does their job better? And then let's say both guys are equal there. Well, then you know, first of all, I probably I, I'm I'm a guy who likes to rotate a lot of receivers. Um, I like to rotate a lot of receivers and keep guys fresh. But you know, if there's two guys, it's going to come down to how you do your job. And then you know, I, I think it, it kind of depends on the play or what we're doing. If one guy's a better blocker, he'd play more in blocking situations. If one guy's a better route runner, he'd play there. So it, it comes down to how how well do you do your job? How much effort are you playing for? How much of a leader are you? Like all those kind of intangible things. Believe it or not. You know, as long as talent level is about even, it, it, it's not it's not talent. Um, again, Lou, we're not talking about. I'm not making this a show about who I think the best receiver in the league is all, all day every day. That's all you guys want to ask. Why do you, what do you think of players who lose their starting spot and transfer? Do you believe this generation is entitled? Like, yeah, I think there's definitely a bit of entitlement to it. I think it has to do with the fact that. You know, you post an Instagram picture, and even if you're a shitty player, everyone leaves in the comments like, yo, you're so good, you look so great, whatever, but you actually suck when you're on the field. So everyone thinks that they deserve opportunities that they really don't deserve. Um, and then, so then when kid, kids don't know how to be told no anymore, don't know how to handle rejection. And so as a quarterback, like if you're a quarterback and you don't win the spot, I can see transferring because there's only one guy that plays. But if you're a wide receiver and you don't transfer because you're not playing, you're just soft. There's four guys, three, four, five guys in the field at a time. Like, like, you know, fine. Go ahead. Go ahead and go ahead and transfer down to a lower school. Maybe play there. But like, if you're really about competition and you really think you're the best player out there, you're just gonna go strap up and compete. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, we had a conversation about this last a couple times ago with with my boy who plays uh, Division One, and he's transferred a couple times and had success. I think that that each time someone transfers, it's very individual, and you can't put a blanket response to this. Um, 
but you know there are times where coaches just have something out for you or you have a bad reputation that you can't get get all get rid of or you know there's obviously all these other factors but in general strap up and compete um and, and you know and, and learn how to be learn how to handle rejection because it's going to what positions do wide receivers best transition to if they can't find a spot in the rotation? I mean, DB, obviously. I would think would be the first one. DB. Uh, depends how big you are. Depends what your size is, too. But but the other thing I would say is if you can't find a spot in your rotation, you better become a great special teams player. Everywhere in America, guys who cannot break the starting rotation at receiver earn their jobs in special teams. You earn respect from the coaches. You earn you know game experience, which is going to help you play better later on. Um, and, and you help your team win, and, and, you, and you, you prove that you have value to this team. So once you have value in one area, it's easier for a coach to, to say, hey, you know what, he's probably going to have value in this area too. So, so that, that's a big thing, special teams for sure. Um, someone asked, what is the most important trait to be a great wide receiver? Catching the football and recognizing coverages so you can adjust your route to different coverages, I think, is probably um, a big one. But, but special teams is big there. All right, let's get to another. What'd you suggest? All right, here's a really good one. My boy Christian C. All right, he said, how many highlight clips are great to have and to send to college coaches? What will stand out? This is a, a really, really great question. Um, so generally speaking, right, there's two. There, it depends who it is. There are some coaches who watch very little of the highlight film, and they have to be impressed right away. Okay? Um, they have to be impressed right away. So you better put your best plays as the first, like, two or three plays. Um... You better put your best plays as the first like two or three plays so that they see right away this guy's explosive, this guy's a difference maker, this guy's a playmaker, right? Because bottom line is on a highlight film, you gotta prove that you can make plays. Okay? But then like how many clips? Like it doesn't it doesn't matter how many clips. You you can't control how many clips. Really. Like you should post every good play you make and, and put them in order of best to worst. Um, but I think like as far as making a highlight tape, the strategy is that you want the first two plays to be your best plays, your, your plays that will get someone's attention. And then you want to have like some of the fundamental stuff. Like a, a great special teams play means a lot to a coach. Uh, blocking in the run game means a lot to a coach. Showing that you're a well-rounded player. Showing that you play with effort. And then like the simple things, right? Like like running a great hitch route. Running a great curl route. Like it doesn't need to be a 75-yard a, a completion. Like, you know, maybe if, if you play like in, at, at Bosco, for example, we play a lot of Division One, four, five star guys. I go to Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. You know, this league is full of those guys. So I have a lot of players who are D2 players, D3 players. Well, if you make a play, if you're a D2 player and you make a play on a five star kid going to Michigan, like you better post that in your highlight and, and, and feel free to say like this kid's going to Michigan. And it shows that, hey, I can compete with the best of them. I once had a kid who who got recruited because he hawked J Jabril Peppers down in high school. And everyone knows Jabril Peppers. We have a boy at Rutgers who's that was his highlight. When we played Michigan, Michigan smoked us. But one of our boys who plays in the CFL, this kid Anthony Shawfee, he 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 hawked Jabril Peppers when Jabril had a, a big lead, and that shows you that shows you that you know that kid's pretty fast. Um, so I so I think that uh, listen, Alex Gravit again. I don't I don't coach in the NFL. How am I going to know if AB plays in the NFL again? Well, I know just as well as you do whether he's going to play in the NFL again. It's buffoonery around here sometimes. Uh, all right, but anyway, so the highlight tapes get your get your get your best plays early, and then show some of the fundamental stuff. Um, in, in general, right? If I see if I see a receiver that has a really short highlight film, that raises some eyebrows because like if you're really a baller, you should have an eight to ten minute highlight film. But if you're not, you're not. Like it's you know it's it, it is what it is. Like like highlight films are just are just you know kind of the the the, the excuse for someone to say hello to you. A lot of the recruiting stuff is, is determined on things after your highlight film. What kind of a kid are you? How do you handle your business? What are your grades like? Obviously, that's a huge that's a huge thing. Is, is your grades, especially at the lower levels? Um, but but you know, if you guys got more questions about highlight films, you can 
you can DM me. I don't really feel like I answered this totally, totally well, but I, I do want to move on to some other things. Um, all right, so here, here's a really interesting question. Here's a really interesting question, right? So GTG just asked, why do most wide receivers have the diva mentality? Is it because of the influence of pro players like Moss, um, Bryant? Who's Bryant? Antonio Bryant? Who's Bryant? Oh, Des Bryant? Yeah, yeah okay. Des Bryant, Ocho Cinco, Terrell Owens. Um, or what about the position fuels his mentality? This is a really great question. So, so here's how you... So the reason why receivers are divas, okay, and they want attention is because as receivers, you have zero control whether, over whether or not you get the ball, right? You have no control. Even if you're wide open every play, the O-line has to block, the quarterback has to throw a good ball, the coach has to call the right play, right? It's the only position in football, like obviously the offensive line never gets the ball, but they can do their job all the time. Our job as receivers is to catch the ball and make plays, but yet we have no control over when that can happen. So I think that's why receivers, just because it's human nature, become attention getters because you know, you might only get the ball in your hand five times in the whole game. There's 70 plays running the game, and you have the ball five times. So like you're gonna want if you only get five opportunities to show that hey, I'm here. It's not like you're a running back getting 25 carries. You're not you're not the quarterback who touches the ball every time. You get five to seven to ten opportunities a game. So like inherently, that makes you kind of freak the hell out and and want to be flashy and want to promote yourself and want to show that hey, I'm a good player. Pay attention to me. It's just human nature. So I think that the nature of the position is what makes, you know, receivers like divas. But I also think that the media does that shit and that, like, it's just guys who, like, like receivers are just personalities and they're cocky and they're flashy and, like, they should be. Like, like to me, like, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, if you don't have a lot of opportunities to prove yourself, you want to puff your chest out all the time. And, that, and that's what guys do. Um, so, so I think that it's – and as a coach, like, I think about that a lot because I have to understand the world that they're living in and I have to understand – you know, that, 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 listen, guys, I know it can be frustrating that I'm, I'm telling you to run this post route full speed and we've run it 22 times and, and we've never thrown it. But guess what? The 23rd time we might throw it and you might catch it and win the game. And, and, and it's so hard for receivers to keep the faith and keep the faith. Imagine working hard at something and having no results all the time. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, and so that's why, like, so we talked about this, right? As a receivers coach, so I, as a receivers coach, I can't place value. So if you're a player for me, I can't value you only based on your production. You might play a great game and have one catch. So that's why, as a receiver's coach, you have to grade every single play as if it's just as important as all the others. A a 50-yard touchdown is just as important as a backside cutoff block. And and that way, we just get obsessed with the technique. And you don't worry about whether or not the ball's thrown to me. You're just worried about running your best route, blocking your ass off, fighting your ass off, you know, finishing through the through the whistle, all that stuff. And that's how you're graded. And and you're not like you're great. You don't get extra points for having 10 catches and 150 yards if you made 12 mental errors. You're gonna grade out like shit. And I'm gonna I'm gonna crush you in meetings. I'm gonna I'm gonna yell at you and make you feel terrible. I don't care how many gaudy stats you have. That shit don't matter. I care that you're doing your job every play and that you're doing it to the best of your ability. So that's important for receivers. Also, you need to place value in doing your job and and doing what is required to help your team win. It's not about your. Bill Belichick said this the other day. It's a great stat. Bill Belichick said that the other day. Stats are for losers. Right? The only thing that winners care about is, your, is the scoreboard, is winning. Stats, the only people who care about stats are the guys who aren't winning because they make it about themselves. Right? It's the realest thing. Like stats, like everyone loves stats, and stats will get you paid all this stuff, but the game is about winning football games, man. All right, here's my boy Brandon Matulik. I do not think the idea of big wide receivers, so GTGS, the tendency of football is spread in quick game. Will the idea of big wide receivers kind of disappear like the fullback or blocking tight end? Like, no. I think big, big wide receivers can make plays over the top and you know, like have have a proven advantage to, to make plays on, on ball on jump balls and fifty fifty balls and stuff like that. Um, I think that 
I mean, that definitely, but you, it, it shows that with this kind of like spacing everybody out, that it, it definitely, there's been more value. Um, there's been more value placed on smaller, quicker receivers who can get open in space and do all that stuff. But I don't think, like, if you're a big receiver that can ball, I think there's always kind of room for you out there on the edge to, to win one on one matchups. Um, but I definitely think the way the league is going has helped. Um, yeah, all right. So listen, Jason Lewis, this is another great question about highlights. I think 65% of my highlights are knockdown blocks. My team doesn't pass the ball that much, but when we do run our pass plays, I try to run them 125%. That's all you can do, right? Like, again, you have no control over when you get the ball, what your highlights are. So just, like, post what's great and then go to camps and ball the hell out and build relationships with the coaches. Like, guess what? Newsflash. Coaches want to recruit players that they know personally. I don't want to recruit a stranger. I don't want to recruit some face or some name on a piece of paper. I want to recruit a human being who I know and can connect with and that I'm excited about coaching. If I'm not excited about coaching you because of your personality, I'm not going to recruit you. So it's not all about highlight tapes. It's about the way you handle it. You have to promote yourself. This is your business. This is your livelihood. Like You better, you better go promote yourself and believe in yourself because if you don't, then nobody else will. So it's really it's like so so again if you if you're part of a triple option offense there's nothing you can do about it just go block your ass off and show that you're the hardest working guy on the field all the time and there'll be a spot for you and if you're one of those kids that says oh I'm getting screwed over I'm I'm a D1 talent but I don't have any D1 offers like guess what you're probably not a D1 talent and if you are go to a D2 school and prove it then stop stop shying away from competition if you're really that freaking good then show up and compete and ball so so hard that you have to get a D1 offer. But no, everyone's afraid of that. They just want the easy handouts. They can post it on Twitter and get 323 retweets and feel good about themselves for a second. But really, you suck. Like, like, listen, if you're a baller, show up somewhere and ball. And if you're really that good, they'll find you. Period. Period. They don't miss players nowadays. They got 7,000 scouts on every team in America. They don't miss players. If you're not getting overlooked, it's because you're not that good. Or because, you know, you're stuck in some situation. But then go somewhere where you can go ball and put plays on tape and then you'll get an opportunity. But everyone wants to look for this, this, you know, this, 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 this immediate gratification. Just work. Just work. It ain't that hard. Like, just work. Go bet on yourself. One of the best players I ever coached turned down seven scholarship offers to go walk on at Rutgers. And he's going to play in the NFL. And, and period. There's Turbo Taylor saying that. Period. Five foot eight, 175 pounds, just got three touchdowns on Monday Night Football. Period. That's it. No one believed in t- t- Taylor Gabriel. No one said Taylor Gabriel was going to one day catch three touchdowns on Monday Night Football. Everyone overlooked him. He went to a D2 school. He didn't complain. He didn't bitch. He didn't whine. He just fucking worked all day until, until, until it was undeniable, until he just made a, made a, just signed a $30 million contract. But all you guys want this immediate gratification so you can post on Twitter and the girls can like it and you can feel good about yourself. No one fucking cares. Nobody gives a shit. Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares that, that, that you got some D1 offer and you can put it on Twitter. Like, go show up and ball. Guess what? Most of you guys who do that, you show up and you never play because you suck. Like, period. If you're really that good, just compete. That's what this game comes down to. That's what life comes down to. I'm not out here saying, I'm not out here saying, you know, all this stuff like, hey, sideline hustles this. Sideline. I work my fucking ass off at this every day. I work 20 hours a day every day. I go to bed at 2 a.m. I wake up at 6 or 7 a.m. every day. Period. I don't look for handouts. I don't complain that, that, that overtime sports isn't featuring me. I don't complain that Bleacher Report doesn't feature me more. I don't, I, don't, I don't complain about any of that shit. I just work and grind and do everything I can to make my players better. Period. That's it. And if I don't do it, if it's not good enough, then I, I work even harder. On my way here, I had three conversations with three guys in the NFL playing fucking therapist. Is that fun for me? Like, no. But I'm going to do whatever I can to make my players better. That's it. Is that, is, that, is that something I'm gonna, I need to promote? Is that something I need to, I need to show everybody? Is that something I need to put on Instagram? Like, no. No, nobody needs to know what goes on behind the scenes. Nobody needs to know what you're doing in the dark. But eventually, this is a results-based business. This is based on results, period. 
You don't Taylor Gabriel doesn't get paid thirty million dollars to get a thirty million dollar contract because 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 of some fucking Twitter post. He gets paid because he balls out and outworked everybody. Period. No, he was overlooked, undrafted, nobody wanted him, nobody thought he was good enough. He proved everybody wrong because of the way he worked. Like that's it. And I know plenty of guys like that. Juwan Winfrey, who should be on tonight, went to Maryland, got kicked out, he got in trouble, was at a junior college, came to Colorado, tore his ACL. He wasn't looking for a handout. Nobody in America had Juwan Winfrey drafted. Nobody in America had Juwan Winfrey on their draft boards. But guess what? He got drafted over, over college All-Americans. He got drafted over Kelvin Harmon, who was supposed to be a third-round pick. He got drafted over Demarcus Lodge, who was supposed to be a third-round pick. He got drafted over, over uh, who's the dude from Nebraska? My boy coaches him. He was a great player. He got drafted over Stanley Morgan from Nebraska. Like There were so many guys that were better college players than him, but he just worked and perfected his game and showed up at these tryouts and was the most polished receiver out there with the best hands in the draft. And that's why he got drafted, because of the way he worked. And he was a professional at a young age. He wasn't, guess what? When he was at Coffeyville Community College playing against a bunch of scrubs, he wasn't worried about what was on Twitter. He was worried about feeding his family. Feeding his family with the game of football. I'm feeding my family with the game of football with what I'm doing right now. I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not looking for an easy route. But all y'all want to sit here and say, oh, why? coaches are overlooking me this. Coach, over- shut up. Just shut up and compete. Like, that's it. Nobody's overlooking you. You're just not that good. And if you are that good, then go to another place and prove it. I got a kid, Carl Nagadosi, six foot seven, should be playing in the league. Just got offered a CFL contract, right? He was, with, he was on practice squad with the Eagles all day. Just got offered a CFL contract. He's debating, should I take it, should I not? Go take it and go ball out. And if you're really that good, the NFL teams will find you. But if you ball out and you're not that good, then you're not that good. That's it. Like, that's it. it it's, this shit is not complicated at all. Life is not complicated at all. People don't get screwed over anymore. I mean, yes, they do in life. Don't get me wrong. But you have the internet nowadays, right? Like, the Gary Vee says this shit all the time. I don't care if you come from the slums. I don't care if you come from the hood. I don't care if both your parents died when you were young. Like, it don't matter. Like, you can make something for yourself if you just put your head down and grind and stop looking for all the things that are, that are, that are coming against you. Like, yeah, if, if you grew up, you know, if, if you grew up a minority in this country, your life is harder. Yeah, if you grew up without money, your life is harder. But, like, there's plenty of examples of people in your exact situation who made it out through work, through hard work and positivity and faith. Like, period. Period. Like, that's it. And that's how this shit works. Like, that was, like, that's it. Whoever asked that question, I appreciate you getting me fired up because that was some good shit. Like, all y'all need to hear this. Like, stop bitching about shit and just work. Stop worrying about, oh, I thought I did this. Like, shut up. Like, my players do this shit all the time. Coach, I thought I heard this. I thought, I don't care. I don't care. Either do it right or don't. Or I'll find someone who does. That's it. Go produce on the field or don't. And, and if you don't, we'll find someone who does. Like, that's it, yo. Like, should I go to a D2 school? Should I go to a D1 school? You should go somewhere where they want you. So you can go to the field and get playing time. Okay? And if you're that good, then you can. Here's another story for you. Kid Mike Bruller, who I coached at Wesleyan, right? Senior year of college. Senior year of college. So he, he was overlooked. First two years. When I got to Wesleyan, he was a junior, right? Every, everybody told me, oh, this kid's a screw-up. He's a, he's a head case. He'd never reached his potential, blah, blah, blah. I loved him up. I ignored all the noise, and we built a relationship. His junior year, he went first-team all-league. His senior year, he led Division three in every category and receiving and broke every record that ever existed. But nobody had faith in him besides himself and me. And guess what happened, right? So you want to talk about, was he really that good? We then thought he was going to have a fifth year of eligibility. We made a highlight tape of all his plays from senior year. He got seven Division I scholarship offers in a second. Not because they were handouts, because he really was that good. And he showed up somewhere and balled and put it on film and proved his point and had seven scholarship offers within seconds. 
because he really was that good. He wasn't just talking about it. He wasn't putting it on Twitter. He wasn't saying, hey, watch my highlight tape this, watch my highlight tape that. No, he just shut up and worked. And he had coaches hating on him on his own team. He had player, He had everyone saying, I don't believe in you. One guy, I showed up and I believed him and took him to the moon. But if you don't have that one guy, you better believe in yourself. Because nobody else, it's not anyone else's job to believe in you or, or open up doors for you or set your life up for you. Like, no it's, no, it's no one's job to make you feel good. Like, guess what? Life fucking sucks a lot. Like, a lot. Life is hard a lot of the time. But, like, there, there's two answers. Either give up and, ha- and lower your expectations for yourself or work harder. Period. If you really have the expectations you're a Division One player, then go somewhere and prove it. Stop bitching about it. That was a rant for the ages, let me fucking tell you. Yeah, I know y'all need to hear that shit. I can keep going, too. Like, I love all y'all, but most of you guys are soft. And I tell my players that all the time. Like, like the, 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 problem, the problem with Instagram and the problem with Twitter. So here's what happens, right? When we, when nowadays, listen, Jackson Nichols, I'm, I'm talking about something else. Stop asking the same question a hundred times. Just wait until this rant is done, and then I'll answer your question, all right? Same with you. Listen, guys, just give me, give me a second, okay? Here, all you guys answering the same questions over and over and over. I'll get to them in a second. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of something way more important than the coverage triangle or anything else. Understand this, right? All your questions about technique, about how to run a comeback, about please explain the coverage triangle, all that shit, none of that shit matters if you don't understand what I'm telling you right now. Like, all this shit I just said, it, it doesn't matter. But here's why social media, here's why social media has killed accountability, like GTG just said. Because when you lose a game, when you lose a game, you still have the audacity to post a picture on Instagram and say, look at me. And even though you lost, everyone on Instagram said, oh, you look so good. Look at your shoes. Oh, you're a baller. Hey, coach is screwing you. Everyone's telling you why you're the victim. No, 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 no. You just suck. But everyone wants this gratification. Even when you lose, nobody takes a second to just like reflect on why did I lose? How, why did I fail? Why did I let the team down? What can I do better? How can I take accountability for this? No, you post some shit on Instagram and can't wait to get 423 likes and feel better about yourself. And that's all we place value on in society because it's easy. Because it's easy to collect likes. It's really fucking easy to post something on Instagram and say, hey, like this, like that. But it's fucking hard to put in the work when no one else is watching and, and over and over. You grind every single day until that offer comes, until that opportunity comes. There's nothing more important. Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares about how to run a comeback, how to do this. Like, I, I spent all this time talking about, like, all this technical shit, but none of that shit matters if you're not a dog. If you're not willing to show up anywhere, anytime, and strap it up and compete. Guess what? Your comeback route's going to fucking suck if you don't show up and compete. Your coverage triangle don't matter if that corner whoops your ass play after play after play after play after play. Like, that's it, bro. Like, that's it. But y'all want to show up and put on Twitter and say, hey, like, what? Like no one cares about your shit on Twitter. It's fake-like. Like, and I'm someone who runs a social media business. But guess what? I don't give a fuck about Instagram. I care about my players that I work with every day. And that's why this shit is huge. Because I'm actually out here working with Mohamed Sanu every day. I'm actually out here working with Juwan Winfrey every day. I'm actually out here watching Taylor Gabriel's film and sending him feedback and trying to make him better every single day. Like, that's it. I'm not faking it. I'm not talking about it. I'm not, I'm not pretending. I'm doing this shit every day. And it's a grind every day. I was bugging the fuck out yesterday in a negative place because we're not getting shit done fast enough. Like, this shit is not easy. It's not easy. Like, everyone wants to always say to me, like, yo, man, you should be proud of what you built. Like, this time last year, you had 200 followers. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care. I don't care that we're at 60,000 now, which I I do love you guys and appreciate that and, and all that. Like, I love, but like, 
my goals and what I'm destined for is way greater than this. And I believe that. So I'm going to work towards that every day. Like it is. Being a D1 receiver is so hard. Everybody wants, guess what? They wouldn't call it Division I if everyone was a fucking Division I receiver. There's a reason why there's only 1% of high school football players that make it to D1. That's it. There's a reason why that is so. There's a reason why you get a full you get a full scholarship and get a shot at the NFL. It's the hardest thing to do in the world. Like it's the most competitive thing you could ever choose to do is try to play in the NFL. But yet kids say, "Oh, yo, my goal is to play in the league." Like, shut up. No, it's not. Your job is not to play. Your goal is not to play in the league. You're not working like it. You're coming to me two days a week. I got guys who come to me. Set. I have players who are begging me to train with them more, and I have to turn them away. Those are the guys that are going to make it to the league. Not the guys who have to call and say, hey, where were you Thursday? Where were you Saturday night? You ain't making it to the league while you were out there bullshitting someone else bowling and outworking you all the time. Like, that's it. Coach, this coach won't talk to me. I don't have enough plays in my highlight tape. No one cares. Nobody cares. Then guess what? You end up somewhere else, and if you're really that good, you'll go bowl. But nobody wants to do that because that's not flashy. Because, oh, well, the guy next to me, he got, he got an offer at Rutgers, and he got 712 retweets. But if I say that I'm going to, to Wesleyan, you know, nobody knows what, what. If I say I'm going to Johns Hopkins, you know, I'm only going to get 110 retweets. But guess what? Johns Hopkins, Wesleyan, you know, whatever. Like these Nescat schools, like they're, they're going to set you up for life. But you out here saying, nah, fuck that. I'm too good for D3. I'm going to go take you know, some, some scholarship offer at a shitty D2 school. That's a shitty education. And you're not good enough to go to the league anyway. And now you want to say, now, now you're going to say, oh, now it was worthwhile that you, that for the extra hundred retweets, you decided to choose a division two school because more people know it. Or you decided to go walk on at some school for clout instead of just shutting up and going to the best place going to set you up for your future. Because chances are everybody watching this is not going to play in the NFL. You guys don't understand how hard this shit is, right? All you see is all these guys posting pictures of the glory. All you see is Keenan Allen doing touchdown dances and Muhammad Sanu doing this and all these guys, and they should because they deserve it. But nobody's actually looking at You know how hard they work? You know how hard Muhammad Sanu works? You know how hard Nate Burleson had to work to have the career? I dare y'all, because I know Nate's watching this, I dare y'all to go watch Nate Burleson's story on a daily basis. He's working harder now, post-league, than, than or as hard as he ever did in the league. This guy does so much shit. Nate Burleson is everywhere all the time. He's not asking for handouts because he played 10 years in the NFL. No, he's out here grinding. He's got like 15 different fucking jobs. It's, it'd be really easy for Nate Burleson to show up at ESPN and be the NFL game day you know, commentator and make a, a smooth $500,000 a year and call it a life. This, guy's try, this guy is trying to change the world. That shit is inspiring. I watch that shit every day because I'm trying to keep up with him. Stop looking at all the flashy shit and how many likes somebody has. And why don't you go comment on, on an NFL player's post and say, hey, what did you do to get here? How many hours did you work? What was your workout regimen? That, that's what this platform was built on to give you all that kind of information. That's what I'm here to do is to give you all that kind of insight. That's what we do every day. But sometimes you all got to stop with the bullshit and realize that you just need to shut up and work. And, you, and, and the, fact that, the fact that there are still people, the fact that there are still people commenting bullshit on while I'm going through this rant saying, how do you run a comeback? Like, you don't get it. It's not about that. It's not about your step, what step to take. It's not about how deep you're running. It's about how you play the game, how you approach your life on a daily basis. Like you guys want, when you guys ask me questions like, what separates this receiver from that receiver, right? I know that you guys want me to say, oh, speed, oh, this. No, no, no. What separates this is the way you approach your life on a daily basis. 
Are you committed to being great every single day? And guess what? If you have five days where you're not, there's somebody else out there who has five days where they are committed and they're going to beat your ass when it comes down to it. Like, that's it. That's it, bro. Now you're sweating and shit. <laughs> I appreciate you guys and I'm glad you guys are listening to this shit, but like, you guys really need to take this to heart. Like, I, I and, and again, like, it's hard to build an Instagram page around motivation. It's hard to build an Instagram page around, you know, this type of shit. This is really all it's about. Like the flashy stuff that's going to get like, so I need to post the route running breakdowns and all this stuff, right? I need to post that stuff. So I have the platform to, to spread this message. That's the goal. And now finally, I feel like I have done enough where I can really start to speak. I finally, I feel like I've, I, I, you know, I'm important enough. Like, I don't know if you guys noticed, I didn't do this shit for the first two years. Anyone who's been following me that long. I waited until, until, you know, I had proof something. I waited until Mohamed Sanu believed in me enough that I was his trainer. I waited until Taylor Gabriel started sending me film and said, yo, what do you think about this? I waited until I trained Juan Winfrey for a year and he got drafted in the sixth round. Like, like that's it, man. But like, I wasn't out here. I wasn't out here begging for likes when we had 200 followers. I think I deserved that. I earned that shit. Every, every follower we've had, I, I like, I don't, I'm not embarrassed by my success at all. Cause I know I've earned that shit. I'm not looking for handouts. I'm not looking for somebody to like, like none of that, man. Like none of it. Just grind and, and, and have patience. All y'all want to play one good game and you want a full scholarship offer. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. All y'all want to be, you want to be deemed the chosen one. You want to be on the cover up. Guess what? 99% of the guys that were deemed the chosen one at age 14 never got chosen. Most of them. That's why, like, a guy like Justin Bieber, I don't know why I just thought of Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber's success is incredible because that motherfucker was the chosen one at age 12 and is still the man. LeBron James, that LeBron James was the chosen one at age 10 and has never had a bad thing against him aside from that, that decision that everyone says that, that, you know, not to mention the fact that he, not to mention the fact that he, you know, donated $2 million to, to charity with that thing. Everyone wants to flame him for that. But like, LeBron James, you know how hard it is to be the chosen one at age 10 and actually exceed expectations? He actually exceeded. Think about LeBron James. This man was the chosen one at age 10 and managed to exceed expectations. He was deemed as the greatest player who ever lived and exceeded expectations. You think he did that on Instagram? You think he did that on Twitter? Now, he did that shit in the gym, day in, day out, balling, period. Like, that's it. But, like, that's it, man. Like, like y'all don't realize how hard this shit is. And I'm around these guys every day and I continue to get inspired every day. Like every day, like like I'm I'm around these guys every day, and and like listen, I got like I can't keep up with it. Like these guys want to work all day every day, and what am I gonna do? Say no? I'm there every day. I'm there every day, no matter what. Right? Here's a great example: GTG. David Sills was was a quarterback. You think he made himself into a great wide receiver just by wishing for it? Just by posting pictures of him in his practice jersey with a couple fancy wristbands on and some green shoes. All y'all who wear these neon shoes. Like, what's wrong with y'all? Wear some team colors. Why do I need to stand out that much? You really need the bright green shoes? Can you need some, guess what? People will notice you when you make plays. And you know how you make plays? You get in the lab and you grind. That's it. No, the coach isn't fucking you over. The system's not screwing you over. The coaches aren't overlooking you. You just haven't worked hard enough. Period. And again, even if some of those things are true, even if the cards are stacked against you, like you're not doing any good by focusing on it. You're not going to help yourself get there by, by focusing on all the negative things that are holding you back. Like, there's plenty of shit I've had to overcome. There's plenty of shit that all you guys in this chat have to overcome. I had a kid, this happened to me last year and it happened to me this year. We're winning a game by 40. 
and I got a kid who's pouting on the sideline because he don't have enough plays for his highlight team. And, like, I get the stress. Like, I get the stress of... I understand the stress of needing plays to to prove to colleges that you can that you can bowl, right? Like like how are you gonna how how are you how are you going to you know how are you gonna get recruited if you don't have great plays in your life? I'm like I understand that stress. But if you can't enjoy a team win because you're worried about what's on your personal like you're not doing it for the right reasons, man. You only got so many years to play football. And you're in and, and you only got you're only gonna win so many games your whole life. And at the end of a win, you can't take yourself out of your own world enough to just enjoy just just enjoy that win. Like, you know how hard it is to win a football game? You know, you know how much work has to go into win a football game? How many people sacrificed? You know how much, these, you know how much high school coaches sacrificed time, money, everything to coach and, and to put in to make this whole operation work? Like, it, it just, it's bigger than you, man. And we're not going to get to any of these technical questions because this just ain't the forum for it. But, like, just understand, man, like, like there, there's a reason that the people who had to overcome the most end up accomplishing the most in the end. Because they're built for it. Because they've been through the fire and they're tough. Like, there's just something to be said for being fucking tough. Like, period. like that's all life comes down to. When it comes, like, when it's all said and done, the guys who win are the toughest guys. You know, aside from guys who, and again, it depends how you define winning, too. Right? Like, yeah, there are plenty of... There are plenty of, of, of rich white folk who have sons who end up being the who end up over you know taking over a family business and run that. But like, is that really success if you didn't really earn it? Like, yeah, you got money. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. But like, there's no way that guys you know re- th- like those guys have anxieties and shit where they're resting their head on the pillow every night and being like, I gotta make something for myself, even though you know technically you have. But like, what like what is winning to you? Like, winning to me is the value is, is the way I can help other people. Like, 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 that's it. But everyone wants the easy road. Like, everybody wants the easy road out. Love you too, Dremel. Everybody always wants the easy road out. They want to be noticed now. Like, just shut up and work. So this whole thing comes down to. Probably title this thing, Shut Up and Work. Like, that's it, man. Like, no one cares. And it's not anyone's job to give a shit about you. Like, it's not anybody's job to care about whether or not you make it. Like, it's not. It's your job to worry about that. No one else is here to give you hand. Everyone's got their own problems. Like everybody's got their own problems. And that's why, like, I've stopped feeling bad. I, I I stopped feeling bad when I come on this show and like start ranting and yelling at you guys because like I don't really give a shit. Like I just like whatever. Like I'm just being genuine. I'm being honest. In the end, like it all plays out the way it should. As long as you're work. As long every night I rest my head on my pillow, I can say I did everything I could to 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 further myself and further my family. Every night, every night. And if I don't, then I don't go to sleep. If I don't feel like I've accomplished enough, then I just don't sleep. But I'm not pointing fingers and saying, hey, he's screwing me this, he's screwing me that. Like, it don't matter, man. Like, if you just work and have faith, like, like it will work out. Just keep fighting. The only people who lose are the, are the guys who, who don't, like, who, who, who just give up and who feel bad for themselves. Like, it's easy to feel bad for yourselves. And, 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 I, and I feel for people who have it much harder than me that might be looking at me and say, hey, easy, easy for you to say. And I feel you with that. Like, there's a lot of people that have it a lot harder than me. There's a lot of people that, that are overcoming much more than I've ever had to overcome. But that doesn't mean you should give up or that doesn't mean that it's my fault or that doesn't mean that, that you know, I'm a bad person or that doesn't mean that, that, you know, that, that you're any less than me. It just means that you've got to work a little bit harder. But like, that, like that's it. If you're five foot eight, stop complaining about being five foot eight and just go be a dog. You're not fast enough. Like everyone always wants to ask these questions where the answer is hard. Coach, how do I get faster? You work harder. Coach, how do I gain weight? You you work harder. 
Coach, how do I become a – you work harder. The answer is you work harder. Yeah, there's technical stuff we can do, like whatever. Like, like there's, there's plenty. There's plenty. And, and exactly like GTG's like, I'm going to do my best to outwork you. That's how it should be. That's incredible. The fact that I can, I can actually showcase my work ethic and share to you guys a little bit about – I don't even consider myself successful at all yet. I'm not, I'm not even close to successful. I've barely made a dime my whole life. But I do feel successful in the sense that I know that there are 100 lives that I've changed. I know that on the way here, Carl Nagadosi called me, Juwan Winfrey called me, Christian Dremel called me, and I changed their life. I, I did what I could in that moment to make their life better. That was a success. But me, like, I haven't, I haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish yet. But, yeah, it's great that I have a platform now where I can share to you guys, like, like what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. And you should try to outwork that. I told you. That's what I, I, I see Nate Bros on Instagram every day. And Nate stops by games. He stops by practice. And I look up to that guy, and I try to outwork him every single day. Because guess what? If I fall short of that, things are still going to work out pretty, pretty good. And if, and if I'm able to somehow surpass where he's at, then what a blessing. And what a blessing it is for him to know that he inspired me to get there. But instead, all you want to compare yourself and feel bad. Yeah, it'd be easy for me to look at, at Nate or someone like Nate and be like, oh, man, I wish that was me. But I haven't put enough work to be Nate Burleson. I didn't play 10 years in the NFL. I'm not working 15 different jobs right now. Like, just really look yourself, look yourself in the mirror and ask, like, are you doing enough? 99% of y'all are not. Like, that's it. Like, are you doing enough? Like, probably the answer is no, to be real. So anyway, with this question down bottom, which I never got to the last 40 minutes, I have a chance to start. Any advice for me to help break the mold and have confidence? Believe in yourself and work your ass off and just let the chips fall where they may. Like, guess what? Shit's going to happen. Like, the other thing that y'all do is y'all put so much pressure on yourself. Like, shit is going to go wrong. Like, shit's not going to work out. You're going to drop a ball. You're going to miss an assignment. And don't put pressure on yourself to be somebody right now. That shit takes time, man. I was telling, I was telling, yo, Stefan, stop with this shit. I was telling, I was telling Dremel today, my boy who plays at Rutgers. And I was just like, yo, for two years, 2016, 2017, right? I started this business in 2017. I left Rutgers in 2015, right? I left Rutgers. I was the youngest coach in the Big Ten. I was probably a year away from getting full-time job offers in Division One. I, I started to have some interest. I had some people kind of contacting me like, hey, I want to see you here. I want to see you there and like see where things go, right? Probably if I had waited it out for another year or two, I'd be making six figures coaching football in college. But that wasn't the guy I wanted to be. Like I, I didn't, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the guy that was, that was not around my family in the name of football. And that's what these coaches do. As much as I love and respect college football coaches, like – None of them live a family life that I would want to live. Not a, I've never met a Division I college football coach that has a family life that I would be proud of. They're always choosing football over their kids, and I could not live with that, so I left. Period. And then in 2016, I was depressed. I was so down. I was in the worst spot I've ever been in. Dug myself out of it. Kept working. I, I, I really latched onto my players at Wesleyan. And then somehow, some way, the higher powers blessed me, and I thought of sideline hustle. And I've been working my ass off towards that ever since. But the biggest thing I, I had to tell myself the first two years was patience. There's a verse in the Bible that says patience is better than pride. Think about that. Patience is better than pride. Because it's either it's generally either one or the other. If you don't have patience, it's because you're trying to prove something to someone right away. Because you got you got because you need immediate gratification, right? But patience is always better than pride. That verse continues on and says, the end of something is always better than the beginning. The end of something is always better than the beginning. Why? Because once you've gone through something. Once you've gone through something, you have, you, have, you have experience, you have knowledge, you have tools that you can use for the rest of your life. Yeah, the beginning is exciting, but like you don't know what the hell's going on. Once you go through something, whether good or bad, like once you have gone through something, you have tools you can use for the rest of your life. 
and patience, man. Like all y'all want is immediate gratification because you're so worried about, you know, this guy next to me has, has more attention. That guy, this, like just hone in on yourself. All you can do is control yourself. That's it, man. Like, listen, if you're, if you want to be a coach, like you really got to love football. The thing I've realized is that to be a division one coach, you have to love football more than anything else. And that's including your family, bro. Like, I don't know what to tell you. People, I'm sure none of these coaches will admit it, but I know coaches every day that say they love their families, but they're missing their daughter's recital. They're missing their son's basketball game just so they can game plan against Ohio State and figure out how we're going to beat cover three. Who fucking cares in the end? That's what's important in life. That's how you want your, your, your life to be defined is, is how, many, how many touchdowns I called. Like, to me, it's just not it, man. Like, to me, it's not it. So I found a better way. Again, so here's an example, right? And, and again, I don't really think I've accomplished shit, but I had two options. Like, I love football. I want football to be a part of my life. But the only path I was going down was one that, you know, would have given me a great life in football, but not a great life in my family. I didn't bitch and complain about it or point fingers or whatever. I, I, I bet on myself when I left at the highest moment. I, I pulled a Barry Sanders. I was at the top of the game. The number, like, top of the game. And I was just like, I'm out. I'm not doing this. Like, this is not the life I want to live. And I bet on myself and worked my ass off and didn't say shit for three years. So all of a sudden we pop up and people are like, how the hell did you do this? Did you buy? People have the audacity to ask me, did you buy your followers? Get the fuck out of here, bro. Did I buy my followers? What the fuck do you think this is? Did I buy my followers? Listen, people who buy their followers don't get 100,000, don't get 100,000 views on a video. No, our shit, just, our shit is just dope. You want to you know why our shit is dope? Because I work my balls off for this shit. Because I actually slept on an office floor for five straight years. Y'all want to hear my coaching story? I lived in a fucking press box for a year. I lived in the press box of the stadium so I could coach football. I, I would bring girls back and say I have an apartment on campus and it was in a press box. I slept on an air mattress that was deflated every single day. And then I went to Rutgers and I slept in the facility for two years. I didn't have an apartment until I was 26 years old. I slept in the facility for four years to chase my dreams. That's why I have the audacity to come on here and tell you guys the things I do. Because I grinded for that shit. And then I showed up at Wesleyan and built the greatest receiver group that's ever played there in the history of the school. And now I'm training NFL players. It's not by accident. I put in the work for that shit. Someone said 10,000 hours. I put in 30,000 hours. And I'm not ashamed of that shit. Yeah, I'm better than you. I'm better than you because I fucking outworked you. Period. That's it. Yeah, I'm better than you. You want to know why? Because I know you haven't put in the same work that I put in. And that's how you should be as a player. Show up on the field every day. And it's not fake swagger. It's not Instagram swagger. It's let's come meet me in a back alley. Because I'm going to whoop your ass. Because I know I'm tougher than you. Because I know I put in more work in the gym. I know I've run more routes. I know I've done more. Period. Come on, bring it on. I'm better than you because I've done more. I've sacrificed more for this shit. I think that's it. Yeah, you can be real fucking cute on Instagram. What happens when you're in a back alley? Hey, this is, the, this, this is how I judge people. You want to know how I judge people in life? If I locked all y'all in a room, who's going to come out alive? Think about that. Think about how many of you guys, you know, got all these Instagram. If I locked you in a room with another grown-ass man, are you going to come out alive? Did you really put in that work? Do you really believe in yourself? Are you really that tough? Or are you just talking about it? And you better say me. Hell yeah, you better say me. And it can't be fake, though. You, like, it better be me because you've been through some shit. Because you can look back on your life and say, yo, I've overcome this. I've overcome that. I've overcome this. And I know I'm tougher. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it's not a guessing game. I'm not guessing whether or not I'm going to be successful. I know I'm going to be successful. Because I'm just outworking y'all every day. Every day. I know it. Like, I know, I know I'm destined for greatness. Not because I'm wishing upon it. Not because I'm on my knees praying for it. 
which trust me, faith is a big part of it. Higher powers are a big part of it. Believing in that, that, you know, whatever you believe in, I, I believe there's higher powers that, that, that definitely have a plan for you and, and whatever. But like that shit comes down to work, bro. Like work. I'm not praying for it. I'm not wishing I'm fucking working for it every day, every day. Exactly. Life keeps putting me in a room. Guess who gets out? Like life is there to put you in a room. It's God testing you. It's the higher powers testing you. Damn, we got 30 seconds. I got to be out. It's God testing you. How tough are you? Prove it to me over and over and over. And don't get bored of that shit. Just keep being tough and keep fighting. And that's it. Instagram's going to kick me off in 15 seconds. I love y'all. That was a full hour of just emotion and energy. I promise I'll have this for you on YouTube. And that's it, man. I'll see y'all next week. Brother, let me get this thing straight. Can't just be another random rapper with a mixtape. I just went and put another beat inside a pine box. I just went and took another trip way out to Biscay. I love Miami because they always treat me so well. They used to see me nowhere. I used to pull them by saying I run for the team. Now they running their hands through my head. Yeah, they used to never want to see my town. I, I, I got them coming to the east side now. Where they at? In the city where I reside now. When they move a little weight, let the D line now. Running track or running back. Gotta keep it moving, never running back. Never. We running the game and they running laps. That's another story for another track. See, from the sidelines, we gotta hustle, cause we gotta eat. From the sidelines, we got some goals that we still gotta reach. Yeah. Reach. Yeah. Stop.